It's that time of the week again. You are about to participate in a great adventure. It's that time when the latest episode of Digital Kill the Radio Star drops. Drop? What the hell do you think you're doing? It's time to waste another hour or so with David and Chris. Oh my God! As they spout out more of their worthless music knowledge. I wouldn't do that if I were you. It's time to hear them discuss the music of their youth. It's the gift that keeps on giving the whole year. As well as the music of today. Excuse me while I whip this out. So kick back, relax, and have some fun with David and Chris. Who are those guys? Digital Kill the Radio Star starts Come on, quit stalling! Welcome everyone to another edition of the Digital Kill the Radio Star podcast. It's been a while since uh, we've talked to you. It's been a while since it's just been me and Chris and uh, not a guest. So uh, we decided last minute, kind of, we throw this podcast together and uh, get in touch with everyone and uh, just kind of talk about what we've been doing the past couple of weeks. And we got a kind of a short um, theme for this week, but it'll be a fun one. Chris, how are you? It's been a while since it's just been you and me. Yeah, I'm good. You doing all right? Man, I am. I am. I am tired. Uh, we've had... Uh, uh i've had quite the uh the musical week um i know you and i had a good time monday night why don't you tell everybody where we went monday night and kind of what all we saw yeah i mean it was just we went to go see i don't know probably not as more as much of a household name as he should be but jimmy jameson who was the uh what people know him by is he was the front man of survivor and uh he was a, he was the second front man, but he was you know he didn't sing on um, what is the I he didn't sing on the, the, the tiger, tiger. yeah but he sang on a, a way more hits than that guy had he was what gave him a much more commercial sound but uh, he had bands before uh, Target then Cobra just a uh, a Memphis legend and uh, unfortunately he passed away about four years ago and you know, David and I have become friends with his son-in-law and uh, his son-in-law. And his and his wife put together this event. They do it every year, and it's a serves two purposes. It's a tribute to Jimmy to Jimmy Jameson, and it's a fundraiser for St. Jude. Which he was very very active with St. Jude. Uh, played there, performed there, just donated. Uh, it was it was a, from my understanding, a passion of his, and so it was really cool to see. Uh, you know, Todd and Amy brought out a bunch of their uh, bunch of people. I'm sure toured with with. Uh, Jimmy Jameson, uh, former bandmates, etc., and uh, it's just a good time—about uh, five hours straight of music. And um, David, it was five hours straight of alcohol that had me in a good bit of pain the next day. You didn't have to go to work; <laughs> I did. 
it was a it was a it was a fun night. Uh, let's see. Let's go over kind of some of the people that were there. Uh, Gunnar Nelson from Nelson. He played uh, the three or four hits off the Nelson's debut album. Thought he was good. Um, Kelly Keegy of Night Ranger. Uh, John Cafferty was there. Um, I forget the gentleman's name, but he was one of the members of Survivor. He kind of was there at the end, and then um, who else was there? Chris, I'm kind of drawing a blank. Well, you know one that's that. Uh, well, first of all, let me try to think of any of the. Oh, uh, the dude from a uh, Lover Boy. Mike Sorry, Mike Reno. Mike Reno. But um, the guy who started, who the first one that performed, Ronnie McDowell. You're right that he didn't really he didn't mean anything to us, but because he was an older guy, I wondered if my dad knew who he was. So I asked him the other day, and he said that, uh, oh yeah, said he was. Uh, and I remember he sang an Elvis song, and he did really he did he did really well with it. My dad said he could sound as much like Elvis as anybody ever, and uh, he had he did he said he did have a couple of hits on the radio, and he. Uh, he also, I think he said he he voiced. I want to say he voiced the Elvis movie that had Kurt Russell in it. Um, so he's actually, whereas we didn't really know who he was, he he was sounds like kind of a big deal at one time. Well, that's really cool. Yeah, it was, before our time. Yeah, and, and it was it was a fun night in uh, the place. I think there were only two hundred seventy five tickets sold. And uh, if you're a wrestling fan, Jerry the King Lawler kind of emceed part of it, and. Uh, we had a good time. We made uh, we made a few connections. Hopefully, that may uh, pay off in the future with uh, future guests. But uh, we had a real good time, and uh, I had kind of a bucket list uh, item. I got to check off my uh, bucket list last night. I went to see uh, "As the Crow Flies." It's um, Chris Robinson of the Black Crows, and then Audley Freed and Andy Hess and um, Adam McDougal, who. Um, at one time or the other, we're in the Black Crows, and then uh, uh, up-and-coming kind of blues prodigy Marcus King, and uh, I forget his name, Chris's drummer from his band that he has now, but basically they just do Black Crow songs and a few covers, and uh, I bought the meet and greet, and uh, got to meet Chris beforehand, got my picture taken with him, uh, actually uh, actually had a pretty decent conversation with him, gave me a hug when I walked off, so uh it was a good time. Um, still letting that sink in. If you follow us on any social media, I've put that picture of me up there. But uh, a really cool moment, and uh, you know that sometimes they say you know it's not good to meet your heroes, and uh, I was nervous how that was going to turn out. But uh, it, he could not have been nicer, and uh, it could not have turned out any better. And so uh, get to scratch that one uh, off my list, kind of like when we interviewed Michael Graves. Chris got to scratch that one off his list. Yeah, that's cool. I, um, I've never done any kind of VIP package. I, uh, and I, I would say that I've got, you know, I've got a show coming up Friday in Dallas. I've got, I'll be going to see, uh, the Afghan Wigs and Built to Spill and it's co-headlining tour. And if I were ever to be tempted to do that, I would say Greg Dooley of Afghan Wigs would be about as close as it would come. Do they that offer, do they offer that? They actually do. Yeah. You know, and it's it's really not as expensive as I thought it would be. You know, and it, I guess it's expensive if all you do is just you know go through like cattle and just have your picture taken. Right. But uh, it's yeah, I was surprised. It's it's less at least with the, at least with uh, 
the wigs, it's a little bit less expensive than I would have thought. Well, mine, I paid $150. That included my ticket to the show. I got a, uh autographed tour poster that they do not sell to anyone. The only people that get this poster are people that um, uh, go through the meet and greet. I got, uh, you're going to hate this, Chris. I got a tote bag for, t- for carrying vinyl and um, got a uh, nice sticker. So uh, all in all, for 150 bucks, that really wasn't that bad. I think the wigs is one twenty five. Mm-hmm. I want to say. Of course, I've already bought tickets, but uh, yeah, maybe you know, I may eventually do that. I mean, I'm sure it won't be the last time I see. Won't be the first, and hopefully, won't be the last time I see Afghan wigs. Yeah. So um, if you're out there and you get a chance to do something like that, and it's not just crazy expensive, um, give it a shot. It was probably about fifty people. I think um, did this one. Um, and like I said, he's only doing these Crow songs for 16 shows and that's it. He's going back to, uh, his other band, the Chris Robinson Brotherhood. So, uh, I do want to say uh, thank you to the people that have donated to the GoFundMe account for, uh, Nashville Rockin' Pod Expo 2. Um, if you, uh, feel so inclined, go to, uh, GoFundMe.com and then type in Nashville Rockin' Pod Expo 2. Like I said, I've said before, money does not go to us. It goes to uh, our friends who are helping to put um, put this on. And um, they've already announced that uh, Brian Welch, uh, better known as Head from Corn, uh, is going to be uh, uh, there uh, signing autographs and, and talking to people. And I know they have another uh, really big name that uh, hasn't been officially announced yet, so I'm not going to say who that is that's going to be there and there's still more surprises to come. So we've had some people donate to where they're going to pick out the topic for our show. And we've had some people donate for, um, uh, albums for us to review. And one of those we'll probably do in the next one or two podcasts. And then, uh, the people that have at, you know, donated to, um, uh, get the topic of the show, whenever they come up with one, we'll be glad to do it. Um, our, one of our real loyal listeners, Jay, uh, is one of the people that said uh, he donated so that he could pick the topic, and he notified me. I think he lives in Illinois. That uh, he's going to be at the Rock and Pod Expo, so it'd be nice to uh, get to meet him. He uh, he always interacts with us um, online and uh, is a loyal listener, and we really appreciate that. And he also left us a nice review on iTunes. And uh, as we record this, there's a package in the mail uh, to Jay. So if you uh, leave us a uh, review on iTunes and a five star rating and uh, somehow get that information to me that you left that and who you are and your address, uh, we'll, we'll send a little something your way, a little token of appreciation. But, uh, Chris, I, I, I'm looking forward to uh, the Rock and Pod Expo this year, and I kind of think we know a little bit more what to expect, and uh, I think we'll have a good time. Yeah, well, I'll enjoy it more just because I'll know people this time. Didn't really know anybody last time, so now it'll be people to hang out with, and uh, that's to me that's my favorite part. Yeah, that's meeting 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 friends. It's my favorite. Yeah, and speaking of friends, um, the week that this episode comes out on the Friday after this episode comes out, Chris and I were a guest on the Potter Than Hell podcast, and uh, we talked about our seven favorite Metallica songs. So uh, that should be coming out uh, the week, the same week that we release this episode. Uh, Those guys were a lot of fun, and uh, we're going to have them on. Uh, in the future, uh, whenever we figure out a, a, a good topic for everybody. But uh, I had fun on that podcast, didn't you, Chris? Yeah, I did. Yeah, good guys. Yeah, really good guys. So uh, this week, our topic is uh, favorite 
just some of our favorite album openers, opening songs on an album. This is no way a definitive list. This is no way a ranking. It's just uh, uh, something that um, I had interacted with a lot of people on Twitter and Facebook and got actually got a lot of response back uh, for uh, different thing, different conversations about favorite album openers. And one of the things that uh, Chris and I, I, I think I haven't specifically talked to Chris about this, but I know it's probably going to make him happy is, you can tell by some of the social media responses that we get that we have a diverse audience of uh, listeners of different styles and genres of music, and Chris and I are like that in our, you know, in our lives. And so uh, it's cool, Chris, to have people suggest punk songs, metal songs, you know, uh, jam band songs. Um, I kind of like that. What about you? Well, yeah, because that's what I'm. That's how I am. You know, <coughs> I've, I've told you before. I know you, you've mentioned me getting it, trying to do trying to do certain topics with friends of yours that are just really big fans of a particular, a particular genre of music. And I'll tell you, like I always tell you, it's like, yeah, that, that's cool. I'll do it. But I don't know as much as it sounds like I do because I know something about every genre. I just don't focus on one. And so that's my way of saying, yeah, I'm all over the map. And so it's cool if people that listen to us I mean, I think you kind of have to be that way to listen to us. Otherwise, we're probably going to bore the hell out of you. Yeah, or you're going to get confused one. <laughs> yeah. You know, not we know what we're talking about. Well, Chris, um, I've got five here. I don't know how many you have. Um, we'll go over those, and we'll call it a day. We uh, mainly just kind of wanted to touch base with everybody because uh, the last three or four shows we've done, it's been interviews, and we haven't really gotten to, uh, to talk very much uh, – about music as far as our point of view it's just been interviews which we love doing interviews and we're working on some more and we'll have more of those for you but uh chris i will let you have the honor of uh of talking about your first uh of one of your favorite opening songs okay well i what i did is i narrowed mine down the list that i came up with and i narrowed it down to nine and then i went and just did my best to take it down to five so i can match with you Mm -hmm. so obviously i'm leaving out a bunch and um you know, I hope there's not going to be overlap on these. I would say possibly, if there's even a chance, it would be two of them. Yeah, I've got two that but, I think you may have. And um, okay, and go ahead. Let's go ahead and start with uh, you. I'll go, I'll start with my first one. Okay, your next two. Do the ones you think I might have. That way, I'll I'll call an audible. Okay, on mine. That'll be easy for me to do. All right. So my first one, I'm going with the third album. An album that really saved his career, and that's Bruce Springsteen. Uh, if anybody knows anything about Springsteen, he you know he released two albums, both in '73. They uh, they fell kind of flat. They didn't do a lot commercially, and he knew he had one more shot, and it was pretty much known he had one more shot to do it. And he wrote what's considered by a lot of people, if not the greatest, one of the greatest rock records of all time, and that's Born to Run. And the first song is probably his most loved and most iconic song of his career. That's Thunder Road. So, you know, if, you, if you're talking about a big opener, how many people, how many bands that you love have an opening track of an album as the most loved song, especially when they have, you know, been putting out albums in 73, you know, and still putting out music. Um, Thunder Road is just, it's just a great, great song. You know, it, it, the, 
just the romanticism of it, the the lyric in the lyrics, the you know, just that wanting to get out, wanting to get escape his small town of Jersey and just do something. Um, the music, that that intro, I, I can't, I don't get tired of hearing the song. I never get tired of it, uh, and that's a lot of times over. You know, the real popular songs, you will eventually get kind of burned out. I don't think it's possible with Thunder Road. I think the song is so, so good. And to me, this was the most <coughs> obvious no-brainer of a choice that I had. Was that released as the first single? Yeah, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I really don't. I, I, I want to say, born, I, I mean, I've read the books and all. I should know the answer to that. But I'm pretty sure it was Born to Run. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I, I can't say for sure. Yeah, that's one. If you uh, if you talk to you know Springsteen nuts, that uh, that's kind of one of the ones that they like. You said people never tire of hearing, and whenever he plays it in concert, gets a a, a massive uh, a massive reaction for sure. Yeah, you're you're not going to hear. Whereas so many people, so many bands that you love, you know, they have the big hit that you're going to hear the snobs, the elitists. Uh, you're not going to hear that with Springsteen fans. You're just not not on this one. Sure, you might hear it on, you know, a dozen more of his songs, but it's not going to be this one. Bring this song up to a Springsteen nut, and they will love it. And that was off Born to Run, right? Yes. All right. And obviously, I said that was his that was his last chance, and uh, let's just say he hit that one out of the park. So when his back was up against the wall, he made it matter. Oh yeah. All right, so I'm going to go with the opening song off Wilco's Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. I am trying to break your heart. And when this album came out, I hated it. I was like, this is terrible. Uh, What has happened to my Wilco? And uh, really kind of ignored this album (laughs) for a couple of years, to be completely honest with you. And (coughs) I, I really think it was when the live album, Kicking Television, came out that um, I really decided I'm going to have to go back and give Yankee Hotel Foxtrot a fair, uh, a fair, you know, a fair shot. And I'm glad I did because I, I like the album. Um, you know, I like it a lot now. But this song has maybe worked its way into being my favorite Wilco song, and it's unlike anything they had had ever done. Um, you know, on their first three albums. Now there was some stuff on. Summer Teeth, that was a little different, and you could see they may be heading into this direction. But for this to be the opening song, it was basically like them saying, this isn't your old Wilco, this is the new Wilco, and we're going to you know, make you think uh, in ways we haven't before as far as what our music sounds like. And it's, it's an unconventional song. The lyrics are real quirky. Uh, you know, I'm not exactly sure the point of some of them. But uh, live, it's a monster. Uh, I've seen Wilco several times, and I, th- I think they've played it m- most of the times that I've seen it. But uh, just a c- unique song, um, kind of, kind of, you know, just foreshadowing kind of the the way they were going to go for the next couple of albums. And uh, if you get a chance, go listen to the version on the live album "Kicking Television," and if you have the documentary "Ashes of American Flags," it has a uh, it has a tremendous uh, version. Of it on there, song I don't I don't get tired of listening to. And like I said, it may be my favorite Wilco song now. Yeah, you know that, that album. I, I do really like that album a lot. And I that one, even though it was different, uh, I never 
it didn't it didn't discourage me. I wasn't necessarily disappointed. Whereas you said what happened to your Wilco, you know, my God, if only you knew what was coming. Um but I mean that's probably at least to me, that's their last great record. They've had some other stuff that's okay. Um they've had some that are you know, a good bit less than okay. But uh that one was a great album. And yeah, that's a cool track. Um it's a cool track. I mean, it's not a heavy-hitting song coming up, which I think is a lot of times kind of often with Wilco albums. Right. That's one I thought that you may have um, have picked. Okay. Um, and so I'll go with my second one that I think you may have picked, and that's Windfall off the uh, debut album by Sunvolt. The name of the album is Trace. And this song, basically, if, you, if somebody was like, hey, what is alt-country and I had three or four songs to pick. This would be one of the three or four songs that I would uh, uh, that I would suggest people listen to. Uh, the lyrics on it are so cool. You know, turn it over to AM, searching for a truer sound. You know, there's all this debate. Was did he know? Is that talking about you know Wilco's debut album AM? You know, nobody really knows. But uh, one, when you go see Sunvolt and this gets played, uh, you know, there's not a lot of stuff. You know, I love Sunvolt, but there's not a lot of times you're at a Sunvolt concert and the crowd just gets, you know, goes crazy because, first of all, Jay Farrar is the most subdued frontman I've ever seen. And uh, their music really doesn't lend itself to that. But when this song comes on, uh, it always gets a great reaction. And for most people, whether they're a diehard fan or a casual fan, uh, this is one that always puts a smile on people's face. It was on my list, and that song is just—you know—you say putting a smile on your face. It just makes you feel good yeah. when you hear that song. There's something about that song; it just it moves. It, it moves me. It makes me feel good. I mean that the the just everything about it. I mean, and, and I love that switching it over. I'm looking for a truer sound. I mean, that that's just a—I don't know why. It's such a great lyric. And just that op- that opening, the opening notes on that guitar, it just sounds so good. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, like I said, made my list, and I just think, great song off a great, great album. Yeah, that, so, yeah. that's an album that you do not tire listening to. And they, you know, recently uh, remastered it and released it with a bunch of uh, bonus tracks and stuff and it sounds it sounds great it sounded great to begin with it sounds even better now but yeah, yeah so windfall off Sunvolt's Trace so Chris uh, why don't you call an audible and uh, snatch one off of your uh, cut list well like, then what I'll do is I'll give you two in a row and we'll get right back on track okay since you did since you did two okay um, I'm gonna go with one that I thought was a chance of being on yours and that's you two where the streets have no name it's just iconic. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know what else to say about it. I mean, that is, it's kind of like talking about Springsteen. I mean, maybe it's not the most popular or the most loved in their catalog, but it's one of them. It's one of their biggest hits, and it just sets the mood for that album. Um, I'd say the album was a little bit different than what they had been doing before, and that song is just kind of a, I don't know. It's a it's a quick little sample of what the whole album is like, and that's one that's really obviously stood the test of time. Uh, we've talked about this album before, and not a whole lot more to add about it. I just I just think it's a an i it's just an iconic album intro. It's 
I just love the whole build. I think I think it's grown actually in popularity, and I think a lot of it has to do with the U2 Live in Boston um, DVD. Do you have that, Chris? I do. Yeah. That the way that is filmed uh, on that song when they're coming out of um, you know how long to sing this song from uh, Forty, and either singing it he's singing it a cappella, and he's at the front of the stage that's shaped like a heart and the way the lights are in the background and you know bono there's never been a front man more made for dramatic camera shots than 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 bono and to me i can watch that and it just makes the hair stand up uh on my arms and i think you know so many people saw that dvd and then so many people have you know seen the performance of that on youtube and then my gosh they played that at the Super Bowl after the first Super Bowl after 9/11, you know, and they have the list of people that died in 9/11, and it goes all the way from the floor to the ceiling of the Superdome. If you've ever been to the Superdome, that's a long way up. And uh, at the end, Bono opens his jacket and he has the American flag sewn, sewn into it. Uh, you know, I, uh, somebody on Twitter threw that one out, and to be honest with you, I just, you know, this is one of those things where there's probably 200 choices we could could do and we're going to do this in the future again you know this is just kind of a spur of the moment thing but yeah uh that one you know now that i think about it uh probably should have been uh on my list and so i'll scratch it off for next time but yeah that was a great pick but i think i also think too what you're probably doing and i have a little bit of that that i obviously have that in me too is you're probably wanting to kind of stay away from the, the norm because that's what everybody expects. So give them something a little bit different. Yeah. Um, so that being said, I'll give you a different. Um, <laughs> it's not going to be the, some, it's not going to be the Osmonds, is it? No, no, <laughs> but you want something, you talk about the diversity and you want something different. Here you go. I chose Slayer, angel of death off rain and blood. There's a reason for that. This album is considered, by almost any ranking you will ever see, it is almost always considered the number one thrash album of all time. Um, followed by, like, just so people look out for our uh, podcast we did with the uh, Potter Than Hell Boys, Talcus, Master of Puppets, seems like it's always number two. But this album is probably the most, I'd say the most popular, the most important thrash album ever and the way that song kicks off just will blow your mind especially if you're in the metal i mean it and if you're driving you, you want to go 100 and when you hear tom Araya scream first come in that high pitch what the hell is this scream it's just you know about what five minutes of just some of the most intense, fast metal you've ever heard, and uh, it it you know, basically it was it's just like I was talking about you two. It's really set the tone of that record. Um, yeah, I think the whole record in itself is less than thirty minutes. But uh, yeah, I know this one isn't going to be for everybody, but I just thought of Impact, Legendary, and I think of Slayer songs again. It's an opening track me being a Slayer fan it's definitely one of my favorite songs by then probably going to put it in my top at least top five 
Wasn't that song written about um, a person that was that was a, one of the Nazi generals? Yeah, yeah. There's definitely, uh, yeah, exactly. I, I don't know the exact story of it, but it's definitely about you know, not you know, the whole Nazism and uh, uh, what's his name, um, uh, Jeff Hanneman. I know he kind of had some. I don't. It wasn't the first. He got he got a lot of accusations being. Uh, you know, being a Nazi, Slayer actually got some of that themselves, which kind of kind of hard to call Tom Araya a Nazi when he's Chilean. But uh, but anyway, it, yeah, I mean Jeff Hanneman, I think just had a fascination with that kind of stuff, and yeah, it's it's uh, it's some out there messed up lyrics as is most of their songs. So two degrees of separation, Sunvolt to Slayer, <laughs> <laughs> with uh, with Bono being the uh, the 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 thing that links the two together. Uh, that's it. That's that's us, though. Um, my next one I'm going to go with is the lead song off the sophomore album by Skid Row, and it's called Monkey Business. And this was the first single off the album. This album debuted at, uh, num- if I got it right, debuted at number one on the charts, and I think it was the first metal album to debut uh at number one, and this is a metal album. It was a uh, kind of ramping up the heaviness from their debut album, which uh, some of the stuff on the debut album was kind of heavy, but some of it definitely fit in with the uh, hair metal. I think Monkey Business is actually uh, almost like a perfect bridge between the two albums uh, because it's kind of got the big course, but it is definitely heavier. And I love the cowbell and when Sebastian Bach just you know starts the song off and and just sounds awesome and uh you know the album was really groundbreaking for a lot of a lot of reasons you know like we said it was debuted at number one uh first metal album to do that uh the whole album's good and it's so much heavier than uh the debut album but monkey business i love listening to that and uh, i just think it's the perfect bridge between who they were and who they became uh chris this is one i kind of thought may have been on one of yours as well no, I um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I really like the album, but I never put. I don't usually put it as the top of things for me. But obviously, I'm a big fan of it. And the song, yeah, I love that one. Uh, I love that yell by Sebastian when they come in. I mean, that was. I still remember. I think I've told you this before. Probably said it on here before. I still remember. Talk. I know I've said this before, but I'll say it again. Rock 103, local radio station, you know, now they're all classic rock. They used to play modern, uh, new music as well. They mixed a lot of new music in. And every night at, at 9 o'clock was, was uh, Love It or Shove It. And they had, I remember mean, it was a Friday night. They had the new, the new uh, Skid Row. And my, we, I think I was in 7th seventh, seventh grade. And our Came out in 91 or 92, I can't remember. I think it would have been 8th grade. It was 8th grade. And so my buddy was coming over, and he was going to spend the night, you know, and we were going to jam on guitars that night. And I remember just laying on my floor, like I always did for my stereo. That song came in, I was like, oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, loved, I loved the heaviness they came out with on that one. You know, it's funny, you talk about that. Uh, growing up, I thought, oh, Rock 103 is the greatest station of all time. They have this thing called Love It or Leave It, and then you move off or go somewhere else, and you realize every station had to Love It or Leave It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, and they also, Rock 103 also had on, on every Friday night, Get the Lead Out. 
Yeah, everybody get everybody gets the let out on Friday night. And and I used to love that. I think we usually got three or four songs, depending on how long the song was. Um, all right, so next up for me, uh, I'm going to go with got to go with my favorite band here, my favorite album by my favorite band, and uh, the lead track, Social Distortion. The album is somewhere between heaven and hell, and that first track is Cold Feelings. Um, it's just. Uh, it's just a really, really cool tune. Really, really just energetic. Um, got more of a punkier vibe for them for the, what they started doing in their, you know, in their later years. Even though I guess this wasn't really later, it's kind of that mid era for them. But still, they weren't as much punk. And this one was more of just a upbeat, you know, punch you in the teeth kind of song. And uh, you know, Shannon and I, we always laugh about this one because on the live album, Live at the Roxy, if, I believe it's for this song, Mike Ness goes, anybody want to hear a happy song? <laughs> he goes, I'm sorry, homie. We don't do no happy songs. <laughs> and then they just kick into that song. And it just, like I said, just punches you right in the teeth. Um, love that tune. One of my favorite albums of all time. Yeah, that's a good one. And if you if you're don't know much about social distortion or if you know a lot about social distortion go look in our back catalog we devoted uh really one of our earlier episodes an entire episode to me basically ranking their catalog uh, as being one of chris's favorite bands that uh that i I was familiar with but uh definitely not to the level of chris and uh, that was a really fun episode yeah that's a that's that's a great that's a great pick i was wondering i kind of had in my head that that you would have a social distortion song. I just didn't know what album it would come from. Yeah, which, by the way, we need to do another, uh, you know, trading uh, discographies. You know, yeah. Like for yeah. me, I'd like like for me, I'd like to do Afghan wigs. Yeah, you yeah. Know, well, and then, like, it would have to be kind of like what we did on these, where they. I mean, don't give me one that has thirteen albums. Right. You know. Um, don't be like here, one, here. Don't be like, hey, David, do the Melvins. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I think they've got, I think the Melvins have now close to 30. So uh, that'd be a little bit of homework. That right. would be cruel. And that would be a, uh, even be a long... Up, even, if it, even if you fell in love with it, it'd still be cruel. I mean, that's too much homework. Right. But um, no, it needs to be something where we have like five to five to eight, you know, I'd say five to eight albums. I agree. I agree. I have a good one in mind for you that I think we could do that on. It definitely would be uh, would be fun. Yeah, that was a... That was a fun um, uh, episode. Uh, as far as I know, um, that's kind of an original idea we had. We've had. I don't think I've seen any other podcasts do that. So uh, yeah, definitely to do it again. All right. So um, moving on from Chris, uh, I'm going to go from the lead song of one of my favorite albums, Prince's "Purple Rain," and that's the song "Let's Go Crazy." Uh, boy, this one starts off and it's just kind of like the first 30 seconds you're like what's going on here and then it kicks in and just a guitar heavy track that um the song just doesn't let up just i don't know anybody that says they don't like i don't know anybody that doesn't like this song at least you know says they like it um an absolutely uh amazing song and uh you know the more guitar Heavy uh, Prince is, is usually some of my favorite stuff, and this is definitely one. If you watched, um, 
I can't remember. Yeah, I can't remember if it was on the Grammys or something two years ago. Bruno Mars did a cover of this, and man, I got to tip my hat to him. He nailed it. He played the solos on it and uh, everything. But Let's Go Crazy, a huge hit in the 80s. Uh, the video is iconic. The opening you know, to the song... Uh, you know, is just very uh, memorable and uh, really one of you know the, one of the bigger albums that since of all time really, and uh, one that I, I just don't know too many people that say they don't like this. If you listen to any like any '80s playlist, this one's always going to be on there. It's always going to be on like a party playlist uh, if you're into that kind of stuff. But let's go crazy! Just a, a fabulous song to start off a tremendous album. You know, there's somebody that had a on a review of ours that said something about the, the number of times that Slave to the Grind is brought up to be, you know, it could be a drinking game by listening to us. I think you might have to add that one too. Oh yeah. Purple Rain. You know? yes. Yeah. Might have to add that too. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, we've talked about him a ton and I, I have a ton of respect for him. Obviously not near the fan that you are, but, uh, yeah, it's a great, and I agree too with the that one is, that's got some killer guitar stuff, and just to the point of Bruno Mars, you know, I, I don't listen to Bruno Mars, it's not really, I don't necessarily enjoy it, but I don't hate him, I don't hate it, and I would just say that is a really, really talented guy, yeah, I think, I, I may have said this before, I took my niece to see him, and, uh, you know, it wasn't bad. No. Uh-uh. I can, I can deal with, I can deal with this, this is a, it's actually a pretty fun show. Yeah, I think we should do a uh, podcast on people that we respect but necessarily don't like their music, and he would definitely be uh, he would definitely be in, on on that list for me for sure. Oh yeah, him, Taylor Swift. Uh, I mean, there's two that I can don't even have to I don't even have to think about when they come on. And, and speaking of speaking of Prince, uh, this it was last week. Uh, Sonny Pooney and Stephen Michaels podcast, Growing Up Rock. They did an entire episode of um, their podcast dedicated to the heavier side of Prince, uh, mm-hmm. his better guitar-oriented tracks. And anyway, I was I was texting Sonny about it, and uh, Sonny, if you're listening to this, I uh, hope you don't mind me s- saying this. Uh, Chris, you know how much he likes Richie Kotzen and Jeff Scott Soto, right? Yeah. He said he likes Prince more than both of them. So uh, that's saying something if you if you know Sonny or listen to Sonny. But, yeah, that's, wow. a, that's a really that's good thing. Yeah, he has the whole catalog. I mean, he knew he knew everything uh, about Prince. It was actually pretty fascinating to listen to him. Yeah, Growing Up Rock, Stephen Michael and Sonny Pooney's podcast, The Heavier Side of Prince. Uh, I highly I recommend it. I might have to it. listen to that. It's good. There was some stuff on there I've never heard. And uh, yeah. it, they provided great context for it. But uh, it was a really good episode. Uh, yeah, I'll have to check that out. All right, so for I guess we come to my last one, and I'm going to go with uh, another one of my favorite bands, and uh, this album also is one of my favorite albums, and you know uh, this this band has easily two in my top, I would say probably top ten albums of all time, but uh, this is the Afghan Wigs and the album Black Love, and it, the opening track is called Crime Scene Part One. Uh, I know. Most people listening, this probably is probably one of the more unfamiliar tracks that's been brought up. And, uh, yeah, it's hard to really describe something if a lot of people don't know what it is. You know, they don't know much about the band. I would just say it's a very slow build. Um, the stuff that you and I always talk about, David, as far as just 
loving when uh, when a vocalist emotes. It really has it on this one. It's a pretty long opening, a very very kind of slow, drawn out build up, and uh, I just. I just love the song. I love the album. And yeah, as I said at the start of this, I'm going to go. I'm seeing them in Dallas Friday. Yeah, if, if you've never heard these guys, do yourself a favor. You know, I mean, there's something about us that y'all listen to. If y'all at least trust us on some things, music. I would say that's one of my top recommendations of a band you may not listen to. It's the Afghan Wigs. Um, and if you're going to do it. Start with Gentlemen or this album, Black Love, because they're 1A and 1B, and don't ask me which is which, because I hardly ever know. Yeah, they're one of those bands that, if you start looking around at people that you like to listen to, that they will name as one of their favorite bands. And that the Black Love album, it's, it isn't, isn't it kind of a concept album about, about a murder, or, or about murder, or something like that? I've heard that before, you know, I have heard that before myself, and... I don't know. You know, I've read about the. Of course, I've read. I've read about the. Um, uh, about, gentlemen. There was a book about that. One of those thirty-three in the third book. So I know about that one. But this one, I'm not sure. But I mean, I guess now that I, when I think about it, and I think of some of the songs and all, I guess that I could see that. Yeah, and if you're interested in hearing more about. The Afghan Wigs. Dean Del Rey's Let There Be Talk podcast has a great interview with Greg Dooley. He doesn't do a lot of these podcasts, and I think it was about an hour, hour and a half long interview, and it was very, it's very fascinating. He uh, he's truly a fan of uh, of music. I mean, he's a huge Def Leppard fan for one, uh, which I thought was um, odd. And uh, really good interview with Dean Del Rey. Uh, Let There Be Talk. But, uh, yeah, Chris, I, I'm not shocked that you picked Afghan well, Wigs for something. And people that don't know, they, they're often, people always say that they're this big fusion of rock and, and kind of soul R&B. Yeah, look, I know the influences are there, and there are some songs where I can hear that, but sometimes I almost feel like people always say that because they think they've heard other people say that and they think they're supposed to say it. Mm-hmm. Because, and I know Greg Dooley does have those influences, but if you read stuff, you'd expect to hear hell expect to hear Prince, you know, when they talk about the soul and, and yeah, I, I, yeah, that, I would agree with that. That's kind of what, what I thought. I'm it was glad you agree. Like. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you agree. Yeah. Cause but, I mean, don't, don't people talk about that like crazy about the, how it's just such all this soul. And, and I feel like maybe a few people have said that now everybody thinks they have to say it. And it's like, okay, it's subtle. It's not what every, everybody's talking like. It's, you know, I, Motown, honest, Motown I, band. I, honestly, like just based because I've heard about them for you know years and years and years, just never listened to them. And in my head, I kind of <laughs> had them as like a mixture of ACDC and maybe the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Oh wow, that's kind of that's because you know there's all this like you know funk and R and B and stuff you know and p- people talking about that. And so that's kind of what I you know. But then all right, well, but they're heavier too. And so that's kind of what I thought. But no, I don't. I mean, you can hear some of the rhythms and stuff like that, but to me, I think that's a. I think that's kind of like, uh, you know, you can't read a single Black Crows article without comparing them to the Faces, and I think maybe there was one or two people when they came out that were uh, critics compared them to the Faces, and now I think everybody has to say, you know, like the Faces, and it's just one of those things. I think it kind of gets out there in the lexicon, and then people just you know, rinse and repeat. Yeah, I really think that stuff happens. I really do. Uh, now, and with the wigs, I think you're going to hear, 
if you're going to hear the soul, you're going to hit more on their on their <coughs> slower songs. You're definitely going to hit more on that when he's doing the ballads. You know, it, it's for sure that way. And and uh, they have done a couple of you know a couple of covers, but anyway. So I guess you're up now for to close us out. Yeah, my last one. Uh, this one's going to make uh, several of our listeners I know uh, very happy, especially a couple of our really close friends. Uh, Mr. French and uh, Mr. MacArthur. I'm going to have to go with the lead song off Pink Floyd's Wish You Were Here, Shine On, You Crazy Diamond. Now, uh, yeah, it's a great song. Now, there's, you know, two, well, not two parts to it. I think there's like 13 parts to it, but that's just, it's not really 13 parts, but that's how they kind of have the subtitle uh, of, of the song. But that's the lead song off Wish You Were Here. They're coming off, you know, Dark Side of the Moon, one of the biggest albums of all time you know it was on the charts for like 10 years and you know dark side of the moon was i guess what you would say the first album of like their classic set set of albums and you know they had really gone from being like really experimental uh and psychedelic to like really kind of putting it together and honing their their skills and and putting out a more cohesive product and dark side of the moon definitely was that if you're a fan of this uh, of that album, uh, hang tight. We got an episode coming up with uh, uh, my buddy Kyle Knoll, uh, where we're going to do a deep dive on that album. But um, wish you were here. You know, it's the follow up. You know, and you hear so many people uh, say, you know, hey, I had that big hit. Now here's all the pressure to write the follow up. And whereas um, Dark Side of the Moon was a departure from their previous albums, I think this album was a departure. And uh, the song is about their former lead singer, um, Sid Barrett. And you know, there's this myth for years that they were recording this song and Sid Barrett comes into the studio and he'd put on so much weight and he you know, lost his hair and just changed his appearance so much that they didn't know it was him while they're recording a song or an album about him. I, it was either on this song or Wish You Were Here, one of the two when when they walk, when they he walked in. And he, you know, he's kind of famously had this break from reality from doing all this acid and just never really came back down to, you know, planet Earth. And uh, anyway, this song, is it's great live. Uh, a lot of times the uh, they would play it as the opening song, especially in the Gilmore years. It has this slow build with synthesizer and just, you know, you have David Gilmore... It, it, there's very few people that get a sound out of a Stratocaster like David Gilmore can. I mean, he he he's a top five tone guy, and uh, you know it just it's an awesome song. It's very mellow, but it builds and builds and builds, and then it actually closes the album out. The last part of it closes the album out, where it's a little faster and funkier. But um, man, this one is a is, is a great one. If you're a Pink Floyd fan. Uh, it's it's in your top five, or, or, or I really have to question whether you're a Pink Floyd fan or not. Yeah, like I said, I mean, I, I'm I'm not a mass, I'm not even a massive fan. I mean, I've got several of the records, but I, I really I really like that song. Um, really like it. Don't I don't have a whole lot to add, but I've I've always I've always enjoyed that song, enjoyed that album. Yeah, you know, and that's their favorite. If you ask, you know, Mason and Rick Wright and uh, Gilmore and Waters. I think the consensus is that's their favorite album, and it only has five songs on it. And one of them, uh, "Have a Cigar," you know, doesn't even have even a, a member of the band singing on it. It's a guy by the name of Roy Harper's doing the vocals on it. So, uh, yeah, that's a uh, that's a that's a an, kind of an epic. You know, they have numerous epics, but that one's uh, 
up there as being one of their best uh, epic songs. Well, Chris, we kept it kind of short this week. Uh, not too bad. It looks like about 46 minutes. Uh, we were aiming for 30, but as usually you and I go over a little bit. Uh, yeah. Uh, it was it was good just to get back at just being you and I for a little bit. It was. So, uh, yeah, and like I said, we have some uh, we have some, some more things in the works. Uh, thank you for everybody that's been listening and, and, and commenting on our, our, our social media and, you know, leaving us iTunes reviews. And like I said, leave us a five star review on iTunes, uh, or on Facebook and, um, somehow get a message to me and let me know, uh, your address and, uh, we'll take care of you. And, uh, like I said, go to a Nashville rock and pod expo on, on the GoFundMe page. And, uh, man, if it's just 10 bucks, it's going to help. Uh, we're going to have a ton of content come out of that, uh, out of that expo. Uh, I can go ahead and tell you that right now. And like I said, the money does not go to us. Chris and I are paying our own way. We're paying our own way for our, our, our stuff at the expo. But, uh, this goes to help, uh, our friends, uh, Chris Sinzak and Aaron Camaro over at Decibel Geek. They're going to put this thing on. And, uh, Hey man, if you, if you want us to review an album, go in there and donate 10 bucks and we'll do it. We're going to do uh, an album here in the future that Sonny Pooney gave us. Uh, I'm not so sure Sonny's going to like our review of it, but uh, anyway, we appreciate him uh, donating it. Uh, he's a loyal listener, and just a, Sonny's just a great guy, and he has a great podcast with Stephen Michael called uh, Growing Up Rock. And I uh, can't believe this. First time I think I've forgotten to mention, uh, follow us on Twitter, Digital Killed, and uh, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Digital Killed, the radio star, or on SoundCloud. We're also on Ear Peeler. Uh, we have an Instagram page that I'm trying to get uh, to be more active on. And uh, let's see, uh, Facebook page, go there and like us. And uh, we hope everybody has a, a pleasant week. And uh, we'll be back with you in the next week or so, uh, probably with a Pink Floyd episode. So uh, take care, everybody, and uh, happy listening. <laughs>